GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome to this week's episode of the Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ, and if I had to pick three huckleberries to join me in a shootout at a corral, it'd be these three guys. Hovercraft Joe. What's up? I was going to say, I was hoping you were to say one of us was a daisy, but not me. Maybe like a sphinx or our guest. Okay. You know what? You can be my daisy, sphinx. No, I said I didn't want to be the daisy. I'm not saying you, I say you you didn't want to be the daisy, right? Oh, yeah. I'm making sphinx the daisy. Oh, okay. Got it. Well, I, I, I don't know. I could have a Vil Kilmer Southern voice to play throughout this no, entire no, that episode. That is Kenneth. That is Kenneth Leghorn jerk. That is, that is, that is, that is <laughs> no, you know what that is? That's Kenneth Branagh in Wild Wild West. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not saying it's any better than what Val Kilmer did in this movie, but for some reason, people seem to have loved his acting in this film. Okay. I, Heavily disagree. That's enough. Wow! For me. That's wow. Enough. Right off the bat, I hate Sphinx. <laughs> Sphinx is coming in so hot already. Like the universally loved thing about this movie, he's like, "Oh, I disagree." Yeah. Yep. What a what a hot take to start this. I'm episode. gonna. I'm about to mute the colonel over here. <laughs> a, a breath taken, hot yeah. take is being taken right here. I say. Can you? Are, are you able to boot him out of the podcast in yeah. the middle of it? I can okay. kick him out. Yeah. Okay. All right, so moving we'll just, on. Uh, uh, special guest, the Tush. Yeah, and Hell's coming with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, great. Uh, so we're kicking off uh, our 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 new year. So we're back. Thank you for for hanging on and waiting for us. We took a couple yes, weeks off. Happy twenty twenty two, everybody. Is this going to be the whole show? <laughs> it's yeah, going to go I, for a while. I'm, I, I'm probably <laughs> legit going to leave the the recording if that's like. Hold how on, let me check. Let me let me make sure I can mute him and mute. Okay, guys, Sphinx is not allowed to talk. I've muted him. Uh, moving on. <clears throat> but I can unmute myself, LPJ. <laughs> Hey, to lock those controls. <laughs> All right. Anyway, just a little side side conversation with Joe talking about how much I hate Sphinx. <laughs> All right, so we're we're kicking off our new year with um our our theme this year. Like so, last year we did the year of the sequel. This year we're doing uh overlooked, underrated, or um what was the other word that I used? <laughs> I don't know. What's I don't your remember. Theme? Overlooked, obscure. underrated, obscure action films. Um, or just ones we feel like doing, yeah. Or, or just ones we feel like doing. Uh, so the, we're kicking it off with uh, with Tombstone, which is I would say it's rated well, but I don't know I, if it's necessarily in the pantheon of great action films. Yeah, uh, LPJ, this movie does not fit the new I theme was, for the I calendar. Say, yeah, I was going to say I appreciate you. I appreciate you introducing the theme, but this I don't feel fits any of those categories. I think it does. I think to a point, it does no. not really thought of as an action film. It's thought of like. Like a straight up classic western, I would say. Well, then you have to have the debate: are we- are westerns action films? I, I think some they kind of, them of are. are. Some yeah. of them are. 
I yeah, I, mean, I guess, yeah, you can have Some of them are, and, and I think this one is. This is, well, an over, this is an overlook, though. People love this movie. It's like yeah. everyone talks about this. Everyone quotes this movie. Uh, so I don't think it's overlooked or underappreciated or obscure. So I All mean, right, listen, fine. Listen, I'm working fine here. Like, we can be honest with our listeners. You thought of the theme after we decided to do this movie, so it doesn't fit. So That's it's fine. I did. And I even, did think of it, it slightly afterward. And even last year in the year of the sequel, we didn't just do exclusively sequels, and we're not going to do exclusively. Look, I'm not apologizing. All right. I do what I want. <laughs> This episode has gotten off to a weird start, but let's let's pull it back on the tracks, if you will, and, and kind of get, get where we're going. So, okay, Tombstone. We're talking about Tombstone. Get <laughs> on the tracks. That is related to this movie because there's railroad. Mute. Okay, now you sound more like Christopher Walken. Mute. So, okay. Okay, what is happening? Oh, I can't okay. unmute him. Hold on. You're going to have to unmute yourself <laughs> now. There you go. Uh, Tombstone, uh, release date... December 24th, 1993. Uh, let's talk about kind of like, you know, experiences with this movie. I can tell you mine's real easy because I had never seen it until less than a year ago. And I watched it just because everyone it's one of those movies that everyone tells you to watch. And I hadn't seen it. So I watched it and then I watched it again for this recording. So I've seen it twice. Uh, what about you, uh, LPJ? Um, I don't remember the first time I'd seen it. Um I know I have seen it all the way through once and then, but, but I've seen it pieces of it a bunch of different times whenever it's on TV. Uh, but this is really the first time I've sat down specifically to watch this movie. The last time I saw it all the way through, I think it just happened to be like on and I stopped and watched it, but this is the first time I've purposefully sat and watched it. Got it. Uh, what about you Sphinx? Yeah, pretty similar to, uh, LPJ. I think this was another one of those I'm eight years old, let's sit down as a family and watch Tombstone type of movie. But I don't I don't remember necessarily what I think like clips in my mind show up. But then at the same time, I could just be thinking about the random times it was on TV and I'd catch a little glimpse of it. I do think this was my first time watching it beginning to end, though. So. All right. Uh, what about you, Tish? Um, well, as we've established, I was allowed to see R-rated movies as a kid, so I saw opening night at the theater when I was like nine or ten years old. So, yeah, uh, uh, the Canton Theater, which is now a Planet Fitness, unfortunately, but uh, you know, I would say though, like, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I'm just desensitized, but I, this doesn't seem like that. I mean, it's an R, obviously, but it do, it doesn't seem like that egregious of an R to me. Like no, watching it now, I think this like, would be PG thirteen now. It absolutely would because. Like language, there isn't really any. There's no like sex or nudity. Nope. I think it's no. just some of the scenes are kind of bloody, but even today it's pretty tame. Yeah, by standards, yeah. I mean I don't think they're even that. I mean, like, I I, I agree with LPJ. It would either be PG thirteen now, or they could easily like maybe cut out one or two things, and it would be PG thirteen. Yeah, I think. because when you watch it on like TNT or like USA, it, they don't have to edit it at all. Basically, you know, no, not really. Because that was the thing. Because it was period accurate language, so they wouldn't have f bombs and stuff like that. Like you, you hear ass and bitch, but it's just you know. So there's nothing that bad, you know. Right. No. Um, okay. So budget on Tombstone is twenty five million dollars. Uh, it has a gross of. I can only find like some of these movies. They don't list like an international gross, so I don't know what that means. Maybe it westerns don't really sell internationally that well. No. So black times there isn't much one. I guess that makes sense. So it makes uh, $56 million. 
Uh, it has a Rotten Tomatoes of 74% and an audience score of 94%, yeah, which that to, me makes right. se- to me makes wow. sense, though, because the people that like this movie like this movie. Like, people, you know... I, 94 people, seems really high, though. Yeah, like, but I people, would have thought, like, the 80s, but... Like, people really love this movie. And obviously, I don't want to put, you know, keep, I want to keep my cards a little bit close to the vest, but people will be like... You talk to people like this movie, and they're like, it's the best Western ever made, which is definitely not true. No. I, I mean, so, but, I, I you know, uh, I, I can believe that the audience score is 94%. Hovercraft Joe keeping cards to his chest is some more references and puns to this <laughs> movie. So, your accent is so bad. Yeah, It, it sounds like Christopher Walken, like, trying to vaguely do a little bit I, of a Southern one. I don't know how, but, like, but, it, but it is somehow borderline racist. And I'm not even yeah. sure how it is. <laughs> It is not. Yeah. It's get, it's getting progressively worse. Is the, is the, the worst <laughs> yeah, I will, um, I will give you that. I'm not even sure um, what race it's racist yet. If, if Hovercraft Joe keeps tossing me puns for this movie, I'm going to keep doing it. So I will. If it'll stop you from doing the voice, I will leave the call. <laughs> <laughs> <You guys can. laughs> um, okay. So uh, top grossing movies of 1993 are actually, believe it or not, two movies this podcast has covered. Uh, number one, Jurassic Park. In number three, The Fugitive, and then sandwiched in between is number two, Mrs. Delphire. Something we'll never cover on the podcast, probably. Um, <laughs> it'll be that. It'll be that Mrs. week. Delphire. It'll be that that month that I'm out after I've hit my head doing something. Or I'm oh yeah, if you were, if you were out with your knife that your Rambo knife that you have, <laughs> yeah. If you were out, me and me and Sinks would definitely do Mrs. Delphire for an episode. Or, we would, you know. If anyone's spouse leaves them, we can do it as part of an elaborate plan to get them back, <laughs> despite the fact that we're sociopaths. Um, okay, so this movie, Tombstone, came in uh, 20th for the year. Now, 1993, I've already <laughs> mentioned two movies we did in 1993. This is a big year for the podcast. We've also Nine? done... Maybe. We've also done number 10, Cliffhanger, number 18, Demolition Man, number 26, Last Action Hero, Number 41, Hot Shots Part 2. Number 49, Hard Target. Number 56, Loaded Weapon 1. And number 139, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. So So this is the 10th one. This is number 10. Yeah. Yeah, we've done 10 movies in this year, yeah. That's That's crazy. crazy. That's got to be the most. Could be. I don't know. One of those ones, like 90 or 91, I feel like, is another one that we've done uh, a a ton in. So, but... um, Okay, so now this is going to be another uh, mammoth test, the uh, cast of this movie, okay? So... It's loaded. It's loaded. So you got Kurt Russell playing Wyatt Earp. Uh, Val Kilmer is Doc Holliday. Sam Elliott is Virgil Earp. Uh, The late, great Bill Paxton is Morgan Earp. Uh, The late, great Powers Booth as Curly Bill Brokus? Brokus? Brokus. Brokus. All right, thank you. Uh... Now, is this Michael Bean yeah. or is it Michael Bean? No, it's Michael Bean. No, it's Bean. Michael All right, Bean. Yeah. Term- Terminator, Aliens, Michael Bean. Yeah, yeah. I Did know, you get confused with your character named Behan in the movie? Yeah, I know who he is. I just wanted to make sure I was pronouncing it right. So he plays Johnny Ringo, uh, Charlton Heston as Henry Hooker, Jason Priestley, Billy Breckenridge, uh, Stephen Lang as I Clayton, Thomas Hayden Church as Billy Clayton, Dana Delaney as Josephine Marcus. Uh, Michael Billy Rooker. Bob Thornton. Michael Rooker is uh, Sherman McMaster. Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton. 
uh, Billy Zane's in there. Um, Frank Stallone. Who else am I forgetting? John Corbett. Uh, um, John Corbett. Terry O'Quinn. Robert oh, yeah, Mitchum. Terry. Yeah, Robert Mitchum. <laughs> Paul and Robert Mitchum 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 both have an on-screen role. Uh, yep. 90210 Jason Presley. Yep. I, I, yeah, I said Jason Presley. Oh, okay. Paul yeah, and he said it, but he pronounced his last name correctly. Whatever. <laughs> Harry um, Carey Jr. is in there. Yep. So it's just, I mean, it's... As is Wyatt Earp the Third. Did you guys catch that? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I saw that uh, when I was when I was doing the research. So yeah, it was it's it's crazy. It's one of those movies where like everybody is like, oh, I know who that is, or I know who that is, or even like just tiny small parts. Yeah, because because so really, not not a lot of those people like Stephen Lang wasn't huge at the time. Thomas Eden Church had they had. Um, What's it called? Uh, he was just on wings. Was At the time, wings, he was just yeah. not known for being on wings. Right. Yeah. Same thing with like um, Billy Bob Thornton wasn't really in anything yet, nor was Rupert. yeah, and yeah, John Corbett was just on Northern Exposure. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people went on to be bigger. Yeah. Uh, th- this is neither here nor there, but just like a, a couple weeks ago, like Dave just sends me messages. He's like, "Why am I watching Wings?" We brought up. It's because Wings is awesome. Wings. <laughs> yeah, it's like it was. I couldn't sleep, and I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm gonna watch Wings. <laughs> That's a great show. Um, yeah, it's not well, bad. Now that would be obscure. <laughs> it was before Shalub came on, so don't get too excited. Oh, That's not it. <laughs> no thanks. Um, okay, so this is gonna be possibly the most net worst we've ever done. So let's try and roll through them. It's gonna be tough I, too, because some of these people I have no idea. I got quite a few, so I'm just gonna start and roll through them. Well. We'll just go. All right. Let's start with Billy Bob Thornton. What do you think, Sphinx, Billy Bob Thornton? Uh, $30 million. Uh, Tush. I'm going to agree. $30 million. Uh, LPJ. $31 million. Uh, $45 million. <laughs> All right. Next up, LPJ, Terry O'Quinn. Sweet, sweet lost money. 15 <laughs> Okay. Tush. Dollars. No, just kidding. Uh, $8 million. You saying twenty Sphinx? Yeah, uh, eight million. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next up, uh, Tush Billy Zane. Oh, he's like negative money. He lost all his money in divorce, so he's only worth like three million. I bet. I don't know. He's got that sweet, sweet phantom money, uh, Sphinx. <laughs> uh, I'll give him five. LBJ seven. Twenty million dollars for Billy oh, Zane. Oh, good for Billy Zane. You know Not what? Low on Billy Zane. He, he still gets all that Titanic yeah, money. Yeah, the Titanic residuals. <laughs> uh, okay, Sphinx. Michael Rooker. Uh, Ten. Uh, tush. Twenty. LPJ. Eleven. Four million dollars. Uh, huh. uh, a lot of big movies, but not in big parts, I guess. Next up, LPJ. Dana Delaney. Got that oh. sweet, sweet China Beach money. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, eight. Uh, tush. Uh, fifteen. Sphinx. Four. Ten million dollars for Dana Delaney. All right. Uh, n- next up, Thomas Hayden Church. Uh, tush. What do you think for Thomas Hayden Church? Th. Is that that sweet, sweet? Didn't have to show up on set for Spider-Man: uh, No Way Home. Money. <laughs> so I'm gonna say he's worth twenty-five million. Okay. Uh, Sphinx? I don't really know him in a lot of other roles besides, like, was he, was he in that weird Sideways movie? I'll give him he 10 was. million. Okay. 
He's got that sweet, sweet. We bought a zoo money, LPJ. Wow, you win. I can't. I can't top that. Uh, Twelve million. Twenty million dollars for uh, Thomas St. Church. Uh, he does a lot of voiceover work. Stephen Lang. He's got that sweet, sweet being in things money. What do you think, uh, <laughs> Sphinx? I'll go uh, twenty as well for him. Okay. Uh, Tush. Yeah, I'm gonna go twenty as well. Uh, LPJ. Twenty-five. Five million dollars. Oh. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, LPJ. LPJ. Jason Priestley. Sweet, sweet. Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero money. <sighs> never mind. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 never mind. Uh, I'm gonna go with um, fifteen. Okay. Uh, Sphinx. Seven and a half. Tush. He's got that sweet, sweet director of bare naked lady videos money. Um, <laughs> wow. I'm gonna say he's worth twenty million. Twelve million dollars. Okay, just four more people. Uh, Michael <laughs> Michael Bean, Sphinx. What do you think for Michael Bean? We've done him so many times. I don't yeah. know. He's. I don't think he's been in anything recently. Yeah, uh, he's just in the Mandalorian. He's amazing. Wait, he's in the Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah. Who is he in there? He was the like the guy who he went to meet Asaka or whatever or yeah you know, so like good. he was the other yeah, gunslinger. So oh, I don't know if I he just he that. just looks uh, old as hell in the movie. Uh, in the yeah. show, in the show. Um, I'll say fifteen. All right, Tush. Twenty. Uh, LPJ. Ooh, eight. Eight million on the button. Way to go, <laughs> LPJ. Michael Bean, uh, super fan. Uh, LPJ, Sam Elliott. Oh man, he's just got a sweet mustache. I don't even he's have any. Sweet, he's got that sweet mustache money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does. I don't know, I don't know for what, but, but that sweet mustache and and and, and uh, modern day cowboy money uh, and that beautiful baritone voice of his. Yeah, <laughs> and that. Let's see what else I want to say. Like, he's got that sweet roadhouse money. Uh, right. I'm gonna go with fifteen. All right, uh, Tush. I'm getting confused. Um, he's done a lot of stuff lately. I'm gonna say he's worth 25. All right, uh, Sphinx. I agree. He's been a busy man. I'll go as high as 40. Uh, 20 million dollars for Sam Elliott. Uh, okay, last two, Sphinx. Your boy Val Kilmer, that sweet, sweet Batman Forever money. I say, if I was Val Kilmer, I'd probably make about maybe 25 million today. Okay. Uh, tush. I mean, okay, so I should establish that Val Kilmer was my favorite actor, so things might not go well later, but um, I read his biography, and he took a bath bull thumb, bailing his dad out of bankruptcy and getting divorced, so yeah, he's probably only worth about $20 million, I would guess. Okay. Uh, LPJ. 25. $25 million. $25 million for Val Kilmer. And then finally, last one, we finally made it to the end, LPJ. Kurt Russell, that sweet, sweet escape from L.A. money. Uh, 120. Okay. Uh, Tush? We discussed this the other day, so... Oh, that's right. I, he's worth $100 million. <laughs> Sphinx. Sphinx. <laughs> that, I, it doesn't matter. You wouldn't have... I was going to guess 100 but whatever. Yeah, $100 million for Kurt Russell. So there we go. One of possibly the longest uh, rounds of net worth we've ever done. So, and it's um, only shorter because like a couple of those guys are dead. Charlton Heston, uh, Bill, Bill Paxton, Paxton. Powers, Powers Booth, Powers Booth yeah. Robert Mitchum. Uh, 
Maybe so, one of maybe an Avengers movie we've done more, but it's maybe, I, but maybe not. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, okay, so the director is our is our old friend George P. Casamatos, which is wild because <laughs> I feel like out of the last like I don't know six movies we've done, he's directed three of them. Yeah, that's right. because we've I mean, directed that many movies. So. <laughs> I think you are exactly correct. So that is that is wild. That but um. And, and and I know we can elaborate on this, but what's this guy's like claim to fame? Is he just lets other people direct the movie? Exactly. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> he's basically a glorified second unit director. He's, yeah, he's they they bring him in to ghost direct things. Because yeah. like the, the the story is like Kurt Russell like really directed this movie, right? Like, yes. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, the screenwriter yeah, Kevin Jari, I think was his name. Yeah. He yeah. was yeah. originally supposed to direct, and I guess he was doing such a bad job that the studio fired his ass. Yeah, and then and Kurt Kurt- Russell was also like, "Yeah, I don't think," like, and like, I don't like. So there's definitely elements of his work that remain in the movie, including as all the scenes with Charlton Heston he had directed, and like Charlton Heston wasn't available for reshoots, and then he had a real um, he had a real insistence on accuracy in costumes and weapons. So that all remains, but then everything else. Yeah, but everything else, Kurt Russell's like, this is the Kurt Russell show, and I'm going to do what I want. And it sounded like there was a lot of conflict uh, while filming, and Michael Bean threatened to quit several times, which (laughs) I feel like you can kind of feel in this movie. He, for being, I feel like he's maybe the bigger bad guy between him and Powers Booth as Curly whatever, but yeah. then he is like non-existent for a good chunk of this movie as well. Yeah, he does disappear kind of just out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, that's true too. But I would also say that this movie's juggling so many characters yeah. and stuff going yes. on that it's hard to like it's hard to keep people. You know, like people are going to disappear from the plot for a while just because it's like there's so much going on and there's so many people. Which in is it, crazy so. to think because one of the things that they did when they brought the new writer in is they cut, like, a bunch of the subplots. So I can't yeah. even imagine what this movie would have been had they kept it, all that stuff. It was going to be, It was, it was gonna be, first of all, it was going to be more like the Kevin Costner version, which sucks, by the way. Because um, <laughs> I guess we should we should probably talk about that. There were two yeah. Wyatt Earp movies that came out in this year, and everyone thought going in, like, oh, yeah, the Kevin Costner one is going to be the one that everyone loves, and it is not the case. Well, and, let me ask you, let, let me ask you this though, because I, I don't know, I've never seen the Kevin Costner one, but is would, would I venture to say the Kevin Costner one's more historically accurate or no? No, that's the oh, thing. Really? Like, no, like it's it's definitely like made more like a western, like a Dance with Wolves style thing. But as far as like the um, it, it's no more historically accurate as far as like the things that go on. It doesn't. I mean, it and as far as the costumes and the weapons, it's a lot less historically accurate. Um, interesting. Like it's they, also like three it's, and it's, really, it's definitely more so. sentimental. What's that? Yeah. I yeah, said it's, it's it's also three and a half hours. Yeah. So I feel like I mean, you got lucky with dances with wolves being three and a half hours. I don't yeah. think people were ready for another Kevin Costner three and a half hour film. Especially a movie that came out six months after we just heard the story of Wyatt Earp. Exactly. Like, like why was that timing like that? I mean, I guess I want to bring this up as well, because there must have been, and maybe it's because, I've never seen the movie still, I want to see it, but because of Unforgiven, right, that's the Clint Eastwood picture that won Best Picture in like 90 or 91 or whatever, Yeah, that revitalized like Westerns, right, in the early 90s. There was was a string of like, there's a string of successful Westerns that kind of like, like, oh, we can start making Westerns again. There was 
There was Silverado, then Dance with Wolves, and Unforgiven. I'm like, okay, let's make Westerns again. And then, you know, you had a couple of big flops, and it was like, okay, let's not make Westerns anymore. It's kind of wild, though. Like, this is, like, somewhat related. Like, there seems to be that thing that always happens in Hollywood where you get, like, movies that come out, like, right around the same time that are almost... Like, this one is sure specifically the same thing, but it's like, you got Deep Impact and Armageddon came out of the same time. Well, not just that. Deep Impact, Armageddon, and then, like... What was that one where everybody was frozen? Uh, Day After Tomorrow. Day After Tomorrow yeah. was around that oh, time. And then there was like those volcano movies, <clears throat> yep. like yeah, Volcano were... and Dante's Peak. Those were like a year apart yeah. or something like that. It's... I think sometimes it's kind of a dick measuring contest with studios. Like, oh, there's a, this other studio is making it too, rather than saying, oh, we should back off. Or they're like, oh, no, we're going to make ours. Like, you know, oh, remember, we, you know we're going to make Speed 2 Cruise Control after Under Siege came out, you know, and like... Speaking, you know. speaking of Val Kilmer, there were those two uh, Mars movies that came out, like, at the yeah. same time. Yeah, like, and I will, I will admit that uh, neither of them are very good, but Val, Val's is not good. That <laughs> one is, what yeah, Red, Red Planet, Red not Planet? good. What was it, Mission to Mars? Mission to yeah, Mars. Mission to Mars oh, with, like, is there, like, a, is there like a Ghost of Mars movie? I don't know. Okay, oh, yeah, that, that, that one's very different, though. That's okay. John Carpenter... Jason Statham joint. Yeah. Oh, okay. We've we've gotten off topic a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, we really have. But so just okay. Fine. So just basically the um the Kevin Costner one is like t- an hour and a half longer and has Dennis Quaid coughing violently the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> like Val Kilmer's like, oh, I'm still gonna be like charming and all this stuff, and Dennis Quaid's like. <laughs> <laughs> but do they call him a lunger in that one? Uh. I don't know. I can't remember, but it's bad. He also decided that he needed to drop like fifty pounds or something, so he's so painfully skinny and just yeah, it's not good. I feel like a deal was made in this movie where George and Kurt Russell were like, "All right, George, I'm going to give you the first forty-five minutes of this movie to make this look as accurate as what the Wild West is, and then after that, it's my fucking show." Because doesn't it just kind of feel like? Like just I, all, like after the OK Corral scene, there it just becomes all the Kurt Russell show. Whereas I, before that, it's so much like setup that's ooh. unnecessary necessarily. You know, I, I, I feel I like will, this is a, a tale of two stories in this movie. I will. Agree I don't to, know. I'll agree to a certain extent where it does feel like at a certain point the movie does go get kind of like how to put this. Like, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I do feel like there's a point where the movie turns where it goes from being like seemingly like oh this is just like your normal western and then i feel like it turns at a point where it becomes like kind of crazy over the top and yeah. like like that part you know where he's, wow. where he's where he says like you brought down the thunder like and then yeah. there's all those montages and like uh-huh. i feel like it does like kind of switch from like a classic western to this like really like action movie heavy kind of thing but here's the thing like when i saw it like years ago like i felt like okay well i i i that all that's the part that's more accurate. They really was basically after you know his brother got shot, he they just started killing each other until like the governor would step in and say, "Hey, everybody, stop killing each other." Like <laughs> even that whole like the part that seems so dumb when he just like no and walks out into the river, like no, that is based on fact. That really happened. Yep. Like that's, that's, and that's the other thing though is it a lot of the accuracy again. It, it's from the original director and the writing, like. And also, the, so the two guys that, like, who aren't Michael Rooker that join up with him at the end, those were both consultants on the film who were, like, the weapons master and, like, the wrangler and stuff like that. And they gave them parts of the film so they could be on set more and stuff like that. So 
And those, so I actually bought my dad the book for Christmas about the weapons of Tombstone. And so, like, that's the thing. Like, when you're talking about, like, accuracy, as far as, like, you know, the like, the guns they use, the things, they, like, the, the clothes they wear, all of that is dead on. Does yeah. Hovercraft Joe have tuberculosis right now? All of a sudden, I just saw him on the screen. Like, looked like he was um, coughing up a lung. He's little, a lunger. Little, little behind the scenes. No, I had to sneeze, and I thought it'd be better if I uh, muted myself to do it. Uh, yeah, Dave, I did uh, tush, Dave. You know, I did read they said that, like, they the, the costumes are so accurate that they were, like, just sweltering so yeah. hot. Yeah. They were wearing all this, like, yeah. wool and stuff in all the scenes. Um, Kilmer's sweat all over himself was probably oh, yeah. not acting at all. <laughs> He said that during the scene in the theater, the temperature was already 134 degrees. Yeah, because, I mean, we should bring it up. They did shoot this movie in Tombstone, Arizona. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Which, that sounds fucking brutal. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so music is by Bruce Brot. Thank you. Broughton. See, okay. there, you go, there you go, LPJ. Back to the days when you'd help us out with pronunciation. Well, you are, you you are having a tough time with that. Well, <laughs> if that's, a, if that's what I had to do every time. Um, and I think we're going to play something, right, music-wise? Yeah, we're going to play the – it's basically essentially the theme of, of, the, fo- of the film. Of the film. The film. Of the film. Yeah. Of the film. <laughs> it's the theme of the film, I say. Here we go. Now you're Spinks. doing the Damon voice. Spinks. Here we go. <laughs> It's a lot of a lot of that over and over again. Yeah, you know, it's definitely a homage to the John Ford westerns from the Golden Age and all that good stuff. I, I think it's a great soundtrack. I think so too. It's very, it was very good. Uh, yeah, no, it was good. I, I love um, I love when they played at the end, like during the credits, and they just reshow that scene of them all like walking down the middle of the street and stuff. Yep. It's uh, it's very cool. It's Okay, so anything that anyone wants to mention before we kind of get through the plot of this or start walking through it? <laughs> no, let's go. Okay, movie 1879. Uh, we're we're kind of there's a voiceover at the beginning. We're kind of like told about stuff about Wyatt Earp, how he's you know was this famous lawman and he's retiring to live a peaceful life. Um, introduction to Doc Holliday, who has tuberculosis, uh, and the the Cowboys, which are like the main antagonists of the movie and they all like wear red slashes slashes sashes slashes uh and they say it's they they say in that opening that it's like basically the earliest like example of like uh organized crime like in the united states right because they were this huge gang and which they, is not not exactly accurate but yeah it's kind of more opinion i mean yeah there was yeah. definitely other, mean, you know there's you definitely think different things in New York, New York and all that you know. exactly like, like well and then, the, i guess i will say like even in this intro 
the version of Wyatt Earp in this movie is very much Wyatt Earp's version of Wyatt Earp. Yes. Like, yeah. he was not such a good guy in real life. He was not that famous when he came to Tombstone. He, um, the, at that point when Ike Clanton calls them pimps, that is an allusion to the fact that they had both worked it. Like, Ike, I mean, I mean, uh, um, Wyatt and Virgil had both worked as pimps before coming to Tombstone. So, um, yeah, like, it's a very, I mean, it's just, in some ways, it's a very sanitized version of Wyatt Earp. Doc is pretty dead on, but Wyatt Earp is very much his version of himself that he would tell people about, you know. I was gonna say, since Tush brought it up, yeah, I mean, he, Wyatt Earp lives until almost like 1930. Yeah. So he has like 60 years of his life to tell his story of how awesome he was. And yeah. as we've gone back and looked through records and history and all that, we've realized that, yeah, he was a bullshitter and he did whatever he could to make himself famous and popular. And that's still the way he gets interpreted even today. So, yeah. So you, so you mean it wasn't like in the movie where every time when Susie steps off the train, like everyone's like, oh, uh, everyone's like, oh, Wyatt Earp. Yeah. Ooh, Wyatt Earp. Oh, <laughs> you know. Later in life, he became a consultant on uh, Westerns in Hollywood, like early Westerns. So that's like, you know, why he was so like popular, you know, and actually interesting fact I just found about today that he ended up suing the character that um, the the real life person behind the character Jason Priestley plays. Because Jason Priestley's character wrote a book about he was basically just a pimp, you know, and a thief. (laughs) Wow. Um, okay, so we're introduced to the cowboys. They go and they bust up this like wet this Mexican wedding with these like federales because they killed some cowboys. Um, we get a Bible in- verse of the four horsemen and how they're yeah. they're gonna get theirs one day, which obviously is an omen for the movie. Yeah, we're introduced to like the main players of the Cowboys, which are Curly Bill and uh, Johnny Ringo, which are real people too, right? They are again. This is a highly, <laughs> highly fictionalized version of Johnny Ringo, who's just basically an illiterate drunk. He, he definitely <laughs> would not have that scene quoting Latin with Val Kilmer. And there's, there were actually there were three different, like I think at least three different um, outlaws who used the name Johnny Ringo or variations. But there definitely was one in Tombstone that took part in these events. You know. Okay, so uh, Wyatt Earp arrives in Arizona. He he meets up with his brothers Morgan and Virgil, and all their wives are there, uh, <laughs> who really are not not relevant throughout this entire movie. The, I the mean, wives I feel like yeah, I feel like they had to add them just to have female roles in this film, but they serve absolutely no purpose throughout. Hey, this movie. his wife is hooked on like opium, so there's oh, that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what? But there's no like. <laughs> There's no tension or conflict really about it. I think Wyatt Earp gets pissed at her once and then ends up fucking the other chick at the end of the movie. So <laughs> who, he ends up marrying, who he ends which, up marrying in real life? But which, by the way, like he was married to the the girl on Opium and she leaves. They never. No, really it was common, he was, he common, was married. Was, hold on, yeah, it was what, a common oh, law situation. One at a time. Okay, it was a common law wife situation. He was a prostitute who he met during his days of pimping. And this is kind of alluded to when Doc makes the joke of like, oh, and as pure as the driven snow, you know? And uh, so it's his common law wife at that point. Wyatt Earp has like six wives throughout his life. Some of them common wives, some of them actual wives. Most of them die, all sorts of fun stuff. Okay. Um, where are we at here? Sorry, <laughs> there's a lot going on. So we're introduced to Doc Holliday. He's playing cards against Frank Stallone. 
he beats them. There's a fun scene there. Uh, the Earps, they arrive in Tombstone. Um, you get and that the, great. And, and the Earps, they want to live. They want to live like they don't want this recognition of being like lawmen. They want to make an honest living, even though they're helping out a gambling you know, a saloon yeah, for gambling. Yeah, they're like they're like we want to get rich finding silver and run like a gambling saloon. Yeah. yeah Even though there's no there's nothing happening throughout the movie where they're trying to get silver. They're just working <laughs> at the saloon. No, but it, they do bring it up several times that they want to have an honest silver mining business. And what's crazy is like the whole point of this was for them to have an honest job, but the first thing why it does is he walks into the saloon, right? And hustles that dealer yeah. out there and then f- essentially forces the bar owner to make a deal with him to give him a cut of the profits for him to yeah. be protection. He's essentially he's essentially acting as a mob enforcer for himself in this particular bar. Yep. Yeah, you I I definitely could see it that way. I think it was probably I think it's probably also traditional for like a dealer to like get a cut. Like I don't know I don't know the exact word, uh, the way the um, you know, the old west gambling worked, but yeah, he's basically the first thing he does is goes in and like says, "Hey, okay, I'm into gambling now." You know, yeah, but the, but but let's not forget he gets he does get to slap around Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> That's, he does. He, he does. Just yeah. about, he, he just keeps backhanding Billy Bob Thornton, which is pretty great. Fat Billy Bob Thornton before Billy Bob Thornton lost weight and got famous. It yeah. took me a minute to realize that it was Billy Bob. Uh, real, real quick too, just to throw the historical inaccuracy here. Uh, Virgil Earp is already a marshal in Tombstone. Yeah. Uh, before any of this even happens, so like right. the scene of the other marshal being shot soon, like none of that happened, and all sorts of fun stuff. And there. in fact, uh, Wyatt ran for sheriff against that Behan, and that's what it, it, it was a smart move to cut this out. But like, part of the struggle was between Republicans and Democrats. In Tombstone, the, the Herbs were all Republicans, and the Cowboys supported the Democrats. So it's like, okay, you know, it has no modern overtones because the parties were very different back then. So I, I do like that scene where, uh, like, after uh, he slaps Billy Bob around, and Billy Bob comes to shoot him, and like Doc stops him, and then like they're talking. He's like, "Yeah, you, you can go now. You're done." <laughs> Just like, but you know, leave the shotgun. I like that little bit. Um, Billy Zane arrives in town. He's part of, like, a traveling group of, like, performers. That's also where Dana Delaney is. Um, they go and see the show. Which um, takes, th- like, 15 minutes and really yeah, needed to only be there for, like, maybe two minutes. I mean, it is pretty historically accurate. That's shit that went on back in the day. But I don't yeah. think we needed so much expose of it, but whatever. That's true. We get, we get a scene in the saloon that they're kind of – co-owning or whatever where wide and doc meet curly bill and johnny ringo you got that that bit where you said is definitely not accurate where they're speaking latin to each other and like curly yeah. and uh johnny ringo is like i love that bit when he's like spinning the gun all around and then like doc just like takes his cup that he's drinking out of exactly. and like spins like, it all around like doc holiday would have known latin because he did have a fairly southern aristocratic upbringing which means that his accent is actually accurate but um hey now like, do not no 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 and a fellow Southern aristocrat. His accent was accurate. Yours. <laughs> yeah. You're, stop um, trying to sell me buckets of chicken. So uh, we get a scene where uh, Wyatt Earp and Dana Delaney ride horses together, which goes on a lot longer than I remember uh, watching it the first time. Like, I can't figure out why this movie bothers with that, like, 
subplot. Like, I know it's no accurate idea. to a certain extent, but, like, I don't know why it's in this movie. I think it's because Kurt Russell's in it. Yeah. To be clear, yeah, that was a time period where, like, women are super into Kurt Russell. So they wanted, like, because that seems originally supposed to end in a sex scene. But they're like, nah, nah, we don't need any sex in this movie. <laughs> and uh, I think it's it's kind of similar. Like sometimes you look back at guys who are like, you know, like you wouldn't think of today, but like I think the I think women were super into Kurt Russell back then. You know, they're like, ooh, overboard. You know, <laughs> and, and I think there there probably could have been more important subplots that could have been mentioned for this film, but instead they went with the one where he chases the horror actress. So, yeah. because and that's the thing, I would almost argue that the bigger love story in this movie is Wyatt and Doc. It's it, true. It's, it's not yeah. a, not not a sexual love story. You know, it's not a romantic love story, but I would think that certainly the Dana Delaney one that kind of takes you know that plays second fiddle to like you know. Like you could have completely cut out the Dan Delaney stuff, honestly, you know. But the bigger love story is Wyatt and Doc. Because, like Michael Bean, she disappears for a huge chunk of this movie. So. Yeah, that's true too. Um, okay, so we get another scene with Wyatt's wife. My note says Wyatt's wife is still the worst in loves opium. <laughs> we get a scene where Doc's playing the piano, and Thomas Hayden Church is like giving him shit about it. Um, Frederick fucking Chopin. Then my note, my next note says, man. Everyone loves opium because Curly Bill is doing a lot of opium and he goes out and then he kills the marshal. Um, and like you get that great scene where like Wyatt comes out to arrest Curly Bill and all the cowboys go after him. And like Doc comes out and he's super drunk. And like Thomas Satan <laughs> Church is like, You can't shoot me. You're probably seeing double. And he's like, oh, I have two guns, one for each of you, which I kind of like that little bit. Um, but they end up not prosecuting him because they say, like, oh, there were no witnesses to it. But I guess that's not true because I read they said that, like, he like he didn't die right away. And instead of getting shot in the chest, the marshal got shot in his, like, dick. <laughs> he survived for, like, two days. It uh-huh. was like, yeah, it was like an accident. Like, yeah. the gun didn't mean to go off. And that's why he didn't get prosecuted. You know, honestly, the way that it was kind of happening, I think, was kind of like what happened to the whole Alec Baldwin thing. Like, I think he had the hammer cocked. And then went to give him the gun, and the hammer released, and that's what shot him. So. Shot, him in, shot him in the dick. Um, but yeah. if you ask Alec Baldwin, he didn't do it. So. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. okay, let's, let's shut <laughs> um, So uh, the mayor wants one of the Earps to be the new marshal, and they don't want to do the it. Who are those guys when he first gets off the train, they're like, hey, you want to be the Those are just like town representatives. That, and that wasn't actually Tombstones. He's like, oh, I'm heading to Tombstone. You know, it's yeah, like it was, someone else in the Tucson, county. It was Tucson, Tucson I believe. Okay. Yeah. So then Sam Elliott decides to become the new marshal, and uh, Wyatt's really pissed about it. Um, Which then- I, I want to bring in real quick. I, you know, I already gave my hand that Val Kilmer kind of rubs me the wrong way in this movie, but I'll tell you what. The brothers of the Earps, Sam Elliott and Bill Paxton, they are awesome in this yeah. movie. And I've given a lot of shit to Bill Paxton on this show. I mean, you know, rest in peace, all that. But... Uh, I feel like he was awesome in this movie, and I don't think Sam Elliott can do anything wrong. So, first of all, bring that up real quick. Bill Paxton's great in everything. Yeah, and Sam Elliott also great in everything. Yes, that's true. (laughs) But yes, I feel like they both do a great job in this film, and and I wish there was more of them throughout the film too. But you know, they both have to die. Spoiler alert! I have to say this thing about the first about when you know they he becomes Marshall. It's funny because this movie is really popular with gun culture, right? 
And the first thing that the first thing that Bill that um Sam Elliott does when he becomes mayor is enact gun control. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that causes the conflict. So it's like that's kind of ironic, you know. It is kind of weird. Um so yeah, so he becomes the new marshal, um uh that Ike guy who I think that's Stephen Lang, right? Who plays yeah. Ike. Yeah. The, okay. He right. gets pissed because Doc beats him at cards and he makes like a big outburst and uh he ends up getting arrested by Sam Elliott. Um, like Doc has like a, uh, like a lunger fit, like a tuberculosis fit. And that's when the doctor tells him that he's apparently already lost like 60% of his lung tissue, which I don't know how they knew back then. Cause I feel like medicine was still a rough thing back then. They were like, they were no like I don't idea. know. <laughs> no idea. Yeah. Um, so that's when like, uh, the Cowboys are all pissed cause of what's going on. So that's when they're, they're, they're here, they're in town and they're gunning for him. And that's when he swears Wyatt in. And I guess that whole fabricated scene where he goes to get that gun, <laughs> that big gun of his with like his name on it. Like, I guess I read that that was like completely false and not mm. true that like, well, fake... it wasn't a hundred percent false. That gun was given out to people, but it was ceremonial. It wasn't really something you would regularly use. Okay. Um, so that then we get the we get the famous showdown at the OK Corral. Uh, Doc goes with them. They they the bunch of cowboys get killed, and both Sam Elliott and Bill Paxton get shot. Uh, and that's the thing where I guess I, I didn't realize this where uh, uh, it, it's historically accurate when that guy's got his gun on Doc and tells him like he's I got you, Doc, and he's like you're a daisy if you do, and then he doesn't he doesn't get him so. And it's, um, it's also important to remember or, or to state that the in real life, the fighting was not at the OK Corral. It was on Fremont Street, which was down the road. And the reason why the OK Corral is so famous is actually because of a movie called the OK Corral back <laughs> in the 1950s. Yeah, so gotcha. I think that's important to bring up, too, because yeah. it, it, it is such a fa- it's crazy, right? How sometimes things like like these type of lures become mm-hmm. so famous and popular. Like we all know yeah. and have heard about the OK Corral and the fact that like literally nothing really happened in real <laughs> life there is is fun but because i would say this movie and like kind of embrace the fact that it's based on the lore not you know like you know that's the thing i mean there's such thing as an artistic license and all that like it sometimes if you try to have a super historically accurate movie it's just unbearable you know so you so you so hold on back up so you feel like this movie purposely did a fight at the okay corral just to emphasize the lore and the fiction of the story no i would say it's just because that's the tradition of it like they're not gonna say like okay we're because like every other movie i mean there's literally been like the you're the kirk douglas like you know gunfight the okay corrals like they're not going to be the ones that make the stand yes jason Uh, this is definitely a romanticized version of it at the same time you have to look at the person who's directing it kurt russell yeah i mean yeah he named his son Wyatt after Wyatt Earp long before this movie ever came out. So obviously you you got Kurt Russell, who's a fan of this. He's going to look at it through, you know, quote unquote, rose colored, rose colored glasses and present the version of Wyatt Earp that he wants to see on the screen. Not necessarily what is accurate. And what, since you brought up Wyatt Russell, um, uh, he did nothing wrong on the Falcon winter soldier. That guy was a terrorist. Just saying, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thank I think you, thank you, Dave. Thank you for 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 drawing a line in the sand on Falcon and Winter Soldier and quashing yeah. the debate we've all been having for the last six months that that show's been out. Yeah, it's needed needed to be said. 
Uh, yeah, so after that, uh, my next note is talks about how uh, caskets with glass tops are really creepy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was that a thing? I can't imagine that was really a Oh, thing. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What? What? I do oh, not yeah. think it's a thing. Not in the it Wild West. They, they would just I grab mean, whatever like, they could. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's not that different from an open casket funeral. But, I mean, oh, yeah, shit like that was, yeah, absolutely. Well, that was weird, and I also, I also like, you know, whatever. This is real, but I have a like, I have a note that just says, "Man, these crow- these cowboys are a bunch of crybabies. Like they go around killing so many people, and then a couple of their people get killed, and they just won't stop bitching about it. They're such babies, right? Oh yeah, like they're like there's like it drove me crazy. Like they're just like Duh! they're like you guys murder a lot of people. But anyways, um, so then like there's like all this shit goes down where like someone tries to kill the all the herbs wives. To Sphinx's point, like they're like, oh yeah, they're still in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, then uh, I'll also say, like the brothers and everybody now start to get pissed at Wyatt. But didn't Wyatt kind of warn them all ahead of time, like he didn't want to get involved? Yeah, like, he did. I felt like, that weird. Like they get so mad at him, and he's like, he was the one that was trying to say he didn't want to be involved. Like really, if it's anyone's fault, it's all your fault. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was saying that, and that, maybe that kind of reflects, like, maybe it was like a script change because, like, in real life, it was pretty much Wyatt's fault. Like, <laughs> right? like yeah. there was like a thing where in real life that he was basically going to bribe Ike, Ike Clanton to testify against the other cowboys, and Ike Clanton agreed, but then he backed out. So one of the reasons why Ike Clanton wanted to fight was because he was like afraid that they, he was going to tell Wyatt was going to tell people he was a rat, you know? And like, yeah, in real life, like Wyatt very much drove the uh, you know the actual conflict, but in this. It doesn't yeah. seem as much, so yeah. Because in this, because like in all. this, in this, like Sam Elliott gets shot that night, and then they go to the house, and like, yeah, Sphinx is right. They're all like, "Damn you, Wyatt!" They're all mad at him, and it's like he literally told you guys not to do this, as in the oh. way of the movie. Um, so then they cut back. What I thought was weird in the movie is that like Sam Elliott gets shot. They take him home, and he's bleeding. Does he get shot, stuff. or does he just get attacked? He gets shot. He gets shot. Is yeah. it shot? Okay. Yeah. But, I but what I can't figure out is, like, why was Bill Paxton still just playing pool at the pool hall after all to calm down. He was like, I gotta go do something. There was, like, nowadays, you'd be like, okay, I'm gonna go watch TV to calm down or something. You know, he didn't uh, have a lot of uh, leisure activities back because, then. Because, so, so, but he gets shot and killed in the pool hall, and this... And I know, I know what you're gonna say, Tush. That this is where the movie is still accurate. As far as content, I feel like this is where the movie ramps up, as in it's like gets very melodramatic and like over the top. Like he like goes out in the rain and he's like crying in the rain and stuff. That like, was yeah, a like much. pure gold. Like it's just, <laughs> so it's, I don't know. It's just it's just wild that that happens. Like so, I just looked it up as well. Um, after. Um, Virgil gets shot. It's not until two and a half months later that Morgan gets killed. And he does get killed playing pool. But, like, yeah, in the movie, like Covercraft Joe said, like, they played out as it was, like, the same night Morgan's pissed but goes out to play pool. But in reality... it's very condensed. I mean, that's a common thing, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure, but... That that makes enough sense. So, um, okay. So uh, the the herps are gonna leave town. Um, he uh, he put Sam Elliott and the wives are on the train. I like that little bit because they send Ike Clanton to kill, and they're like gonna shoot him in the train, and then like Wyatt's there, and he shoots the one guy, and that's when he that's when you get the famous line where he tells him he said that you called down the thunder, or you got it, 
And then isn't yeah. that also when he tells him that like tell them that I'm coming for him and like hell's, hell's coming, coming with, with me. me. Yeah, that's, that's I like, mean, the, both the film and Stephen Lang's portrayal of Ike Clayton, from everything I've read, are just dead on. Because Ike Clayton was just a dr- drunk pussy, you know? Yeah, who kept, he's, a, he's a real yeah, bitch in this movie. Yeah, he kept stirring up shit, and like he, he kept stirring up shit and managed to escape over and over and over. And they get that really well. It's like, yeah, he was the worst, but keeps escaping, you know? Then you get, then you go to essentially... Yeah, I was okay. going to say, too, that, that scene was accurate, too. I guess at that train station today, there's, like, a statue there that commemorates oh. that that's where yeah. Wyatt Earp was like, <laughs> fuck this, I'm going crazy. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, because then you essentially get, not essentially, you get a montage of Wyatt and his posse just murdering all these yeah. cowboys. They're just, like, yeah. shooting them all over the place. It's pretty great. Uh, and then they have that big shootout with the cowboys at the river, and that's what we already talked about, where, like, Wyatt Earp goes out to kill uh, Curly Bill. And it's just like, no, no. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I, I understand that it really happened. I just, like, I did, did he really say no 800 times in real life? <laughs> that's what they said. I mean, that's the thing. It was so, like, it, I remember, like, it was so ridiculous that, like, I felt like I had to go look it up. It's like, oh, only, you know, this part is accurate, you know? Like, I feel oh. like Kurt Russell couldn't wait to film that scene. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, like with everything we've been talking about about how much he idolizes Wyatt Earp, like he was like, I can't fucking wait to start fucking plugging people in the river. <laughs> so, um, so they they kill Curly Bill. Uh, then we get we we check back in with Dana Delaney because, like you said, she leaves the movie for a while, and we find out that Billy Zane is dead and they're leaving yeah. town, which uh, is and- so random and unnecessary to share with us. But yeah. they do. How, how did he die? I don't remember. He got shot. He, oh, they they, they well, tried to take her. And yeah. he, he's like, "Hey, you're cowards!" And also, I feel like the implication is that Billy Zane and Jason Priestley had a relationship. You oh, one hundred percent. I think that's alluded to. Yeah. Um. So, uh. Okay. So then, like, they find out. Like, this is a weird bit, and I didn't quite understand this. So maybe you can talk me through this. So that being guy who was kind of a bitch. Like yeah. he was friends with the cowboys and made them all yeah. like deputized all of them. Yeah, that I mean, and that and that's basically like again, like for the, historically, yeah. he got his like nominate, like he won the sheriff by like you know whether it was them stuffing the ballot boxers, like hey, I got all these guys on my side, so they elected him sheriff, and like that that was that was when the feud really ramped up with the Earps when it was like oh okay, like also that guy was Terry Hatcher's husband at the time, the <laughs> not the actual oh. you know. Historical oh, okay, figure. so so they're all looking for the herbs. Uh, Doc's in bad shape, so they go to uh, Henry Hooker's ranch, who's played by Charlton Heston. Am I wrong in thinking that like that Henry Hooker or some version of him's in the Young Guns? Yes, movies, it is. Hundred percent accurate. Same guy. <laughs> yep. No, that's really no because yep. Billy the Kid worked for Henry Hooker. Yep. That's before like, it, it's not the Terrence Stamp character, but it's like a I believe he's either in it or he's mentioned, but he okay. definitely worked for him. Okay, just curious. So, uh, so then again, at this stupid, at stupid Henry Hooker's ranch, Dana the lady shows up in her carriage. Is like, oh, the horses need water, and her and like Wyatt have a moment. I'm like, okay, that's, anyways. Um, and then like I got really confused because then they ride up and they throw like the body on the ground, and they're they're like, oh, it's McMaster's, and I'm like, wait, who's McMaster's? I thought it was the bartender of their saloon, but then Michael I realized it, then I realized it was yeah. Michael it's, Rooker. It's, it's, it's Yandu. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, why it's was just it not Michael, blue? Like, why was it Michael Rooker with them? Like, where he was, was out, he was uh, he was scouting. 
Oh, okay. So the yeah, because is- he was a cow. If you remember earlier, like he was a cowboy, and then yeah. he he went to support the Wyatts. So so yeah. he became kind of like a spy. Sorry, this is slightly off topic. <laughs> That's all right. So it's we have the cowboys the as villains in this. When do they become romanticized heroes in American culture? Okay, so now the term cowboys and cowboys, it's it's almost like a lowercase c, uppercase c. You know, it's like not all cowboys were yeah. cowboys, you know, like that all like I mean you just this particular group called themselves the cowboys and they were kind of they were very loosely affiliated with each other. Like, okay. like so, they weren't as organized as like they tried to say, but they had the red sash and all that. Like these are these are uppercase C cowboys, not lowercase C cowboys. Got it. Okay. So there's cow this is their name. The name they chose for yeah. their group is the Cowboys. Exactly. Which, yeah. which probably okay. wasn't very original since there yeah. were Fair like enough. cowboys all through. Okay. Like Sherpas and Sherpas. <laughs> okay. Okay. So they find they find out that Ringo wants to have uh, Johnny Ringo wants to have a one-on-one showdown with uh, White Earp. Uh, he has that conversation with Doc, where he basically is like, "Hey, can I?" He's like, "I can't beat him, can I?" And uh, why? And uh, uh, Doc's like, uh, "No, you can't." Um, <laughs> Which then- again, like, like again, I just want to mention real quick too, like. Even throughout the montages where Wyatt Earp and his gang's like kicking ass, we don't really see Michael Bean. Like he has really disappeared. And even in this scene, like it was a message uh, from from Johnny Ringo that like he wanted to meet up. And it's just I found it weird that like he just doesn't show up in this movie the second half until the showdown. Yeah. But well. anyway. So, uh, so Doc ends up showing up to the showdown with uh, Ringo instead of Wyatt, and that's when you get the famous uh, "I'm your Huckleberry" line. Although he says it one other time in the movie. But yeah, this when is, like, the Ringo's drunk line. and complaining, you know, you know, like being a little drunk bitch. Yeah. Like, oh, you killed my friends, you know. Well, because yeah. again, this and it, both of these scenes kind of establish the fact that like Ringo is a little scared of Doc because that is like you know most Western like you know outlaws heroes. Their reputation is highly exaggerated, but from the things I've read, Doc Holliday really was a killer, and he killed well, a lot of people. Well, yeah, because immediately, like Ringo's like, "Oh, my quarrel's not with you." Like he doesn't want to, yeah. he doesn't want to fight him. Like he's like, um, uh, so then they 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 like they square off, and he like he shoots him in the head, but then like he's still like walking around, and he like fires his gun and stuff, which is like could happen. Question? Yeah, absolutely could happen. All right. <laughs> I shoot yeah. people in the head all the time, and I see that constantly. So, so then yeah. we get another montage of them just murdering a bunch of cowboys. Yep. Although I do like, I do like that sweet scene where, like, I think it's White Earp, and he's like hanging, hanging yeah. low on the horse, and he like on the, shoots the guy the horse. at the horse. And then you get like one final scene of that Ike guy being a complete bitch because they're chasing yeah. him, and he like, he like, throws yeah, quit his the cowboys. Sash. He throws his sash. He's like, he's done. Um. So then, um. He goes to visit uh, Doc, who's in, like, the sanatorium, sanitarium, sanitarium, uh, in Colorado, and he's in bad shape, and, like, they're playing cards. And basically, like, Doc's like, hey, like, I want you to go and find Dana Delaney. Don't, don't like, stay here with me. Uh, and, like, I guess, like, Wyatt Earp wrote a book about Doc Holliday that he leaves there for him. And yeah, just, like, like, my friend uh, Doc Holliday, which is, you know, again, something and, he did. And I know it's uh, – I know it's it's a movie and it's probably dramatized uh, drama. Dra- <laughs> yeah, exaggerated. <laughs> yes, because like the moment that uh, Wyatt Earp leaves, then Doc dies. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Which, which, again, 
Well, I was so, going to say, Doc doesn't die till like, I think it's like five years after the events at Tombstone. But then I highly, I think it goes back to the bromance that the two have in this movie. I highly doubt, like, on Doc Holliday's deathbed, he's telling Wyatt Earp, go after that chick. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no way in fucking hell that was Doc Holliday's last thing to talk to Wyatt Earp about. Though they got his last words correct. His last words were, I'll be damned, because he was looking at his bare feet, and he had always thought he was going to die, get killed, you know, shoot in a shootout with his boots on, you know? Did you see that they said that Val Kilmer made it, like, basically that scene, they, like, he had him lay, he was laying on ice because he yeah, wanted to be, like, be uncomfortable. He, he yeah. wanted to be uncomfortable and kind of feel like how, like, Doc would and be uncomfortable, so that's kind of interesting. So then we make it to the end of the movie. Wyatt goes and finds... Dana Delaney in Denver, I think, and they make out a little bit, uh, and they dance in the snow, and that's the end of the movie, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and then so the, sweet, besides, the, besides the sweet walking montage, montage again. again. Yeah. 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 The yeah. sweet walking montage. So that's it. We made it yeah. to the end of Tombstone. We did it, guys. Whew! I felt like that was a that was a, there was a lot to get through in that one. Yep. I kind of like with the last scene and like the Dana Delaney stuff. I really think the main reason for a lot of it, besides the fact like, ooh, Kurt Russell, he's a sex symbol, is also that Kurt Russell is such a Wyatt Earp devotee, and because, like, the, like he and his wife were, like, partners in making his image, you know, Wyatt Earp's image, so I think, like, because that's what Wyatt Earp would have wanted to be like, oh, yeah, she's really important in all these events, even though, you know, she's not, you know? <laughs> so I think that's why, you know, that's one of the reasons why the story's told that way. Yeah, could that's be. Fair. Um, I do have the taglines real quick. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, okay. Forgot about those earlier. Uh, the first one, the one that I don't really like, but I guess is relevant. I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> okay. It's not really a tagline. Uh, justice is coming. Yep. Yeah, sure. Last one, though, I do like. Every town has a story. Tombstone has a legend. That's good. Oh, that's, that's a good one. That's, that's pretty I don't ever recall the I'm your Huckleberry being used back when the movie came out. Like, I mean, it became a really famous line after the fact, but... Yeah, well, maybe IMDB's lying to me, I don't know, but... They probably are. It is It is user-edited. Uh, user That's true. And IMDB did tell me that all the mustaches we saw in the movie were real, too, so... Ooh, we need to talk about the mustache game in this movie. <laughs> the mustache game is strong. Like, if they had somehow got Tom Selleck to make a cameo, it would have been the best mustache, you know, it would have been, like, you know, mustache Nirvana. Yeah, like, the mustache... Know- Game like all only of the if actors, you could also wear the Detroit Tigers hat. Well, yeah, <laughs> all of the actors like they grew serious mustaches. I can oh, guarantee yeah. you, there's some actors in Hollywood who cannot grow facial hair to save their life, but these guys, oh yeah, absolutely could. I bet you Sam Elliott still has food in his mustache from 1984. All right, <laughs> I feel uh, like that uh, stash no. has that has never come off. No, 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 no. No, I think I he like he, I have seen him in a couple movies where he doesn't have mustaches, and I feel like. He saves those mustaches. You know, like I, he has I, them all like framed like a butterfly. He did Caesar Romero as the Joker. They just had to like paint over his mustache so it could look <laughs> like he didn't have one. I guarantee you, his mustache is so well kept that it's spotlessly clean all the mm. time. That's not. That's not. That's probably pretty accurate too. Mm. Yeah, um, that, that th- might be this- the cleanest mustache in existence. This little bit in there, uh, and and it's funny because Tush has told me this before that essentially that Sylvester Stallone is the one who recommended to Kurt Russell yeah. to to get George B. Casamato to direct it. Like they say, it's like, oh, it'd be a better choice, but like the way Tush tells it to me, it's like, yeah, get this guy; he'll just let you do whatever you want. 
I, I could totally see this phone call. Uh, hey, Kurt, get, <laughs> I, I'll give you his phone number. He'll let you do whatever you want, man. I mean, all, the one thing I've discovered it. on this episode is that Sphinx is not exactly Rich Little with the with the impersonations. That was wow. my, that was by one of the worst Sylvester Stallone imitations I've ever yeah. heard of my life. I'm like, why is Napoleon Dynamite calling Kurt Russell? Um. And did you see there's, there was, like, a whole debate, I guess, for a while about whether or not the line was, like, I'm your Huckleberry or I'm your Huckleberry or something like that? Yeah. And, it was, that, and Val Kilmer confirmed, as, it confirmed in his autobiography that, no, it was always written as I'm your Huckleberry. Yeah, yeah because I guess, like, a Huckleberry was, like, kind of like a pallbearer or something that they yeah. called back no, in the day. No, and Huckleberry... So. They say it's like, they say it's like a, Huckleberry... It's a reference to Huckleberry yeah. Finn, because Tom Sawyer was out then, Tom Sawyer, oh, they're best friends, you know, so I'm your match. I'm your, I'm your uh, man for the job, yeah. Yeah. Uh, LBJ, do you have any um, role reversals for this? I do. I, I have a, a couple. Uh, so originally, Doc Holliday was going to be played by Willem Dafoe. Um, yep. But he had just got done making... Um, uh, Last Temptation yeah, of Christ. Yeah, Last Temptation of Christ. And it was such a controversial movie that the studio didn't want him anywhere near this film because they thought it would tank. Yeah. Uh, and then... Johnny Ringo's part was offered to Mickey Rourke and he actually yep. turned it down. So I, I can't imagine like either of I those like two Mickey roles. Rourke. I, I, do oh, too. I like Mickey Rourke. I like it too. Being... Well, I, I liked it too, but I also like Michael Bean in this just fine. I thought Michael yeah. Bean was perfectly fine in this. I yeah, think... he was great. I mean, I, I, I don't think it would be that, I mean, it'd be different. It wouldn't be that much better or that much worse. I mean, you know, Mickey Rourke, especially back then when he didn't look like some sort of like, you know, burn victim. I feel like Mickey Rourke was awesome. You know, he would have done a good well, job. I, I mean, think he would have done a good job, but I think it would have been more over the top. And I don't know if that, that would have fit this movie. I think uh, mm-hmm. I, I I would like to say this yeah. movie is over no, no, the no, top. No, 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 okay, hold on, like... hold on. No, no, I'm not saying the movie he would be too over the top for the movie. He'd be too over the top for the way this part was written for this movie. He'd be too over the top for Kurt Russell. Yes, that's yes. yeah. He'd be too over the top for Kurt. Michael Bean underplays Johnny Ringo uh-huh. the yeah. perfect amount to match to to work against Kurt Russell and Doc Holliday and Val Kilmer in this. Like you can't have three crashing head to head like that. It'd be too much. And I can see Kurt Russell not putting up with Mickey Rourke. No, shit. absolutely. Mickey Rourke is. I love him, but he's notoriously difficult. You know. So. There'd be so much scenery chewed, uh, Tombstone would probably <laughs> fall down around. Yeah, them. I mean, I mean that's true. But let's be fair. I feel like there was a lot of scenery chewed in this movie. Like, like this, Sometimes, this yeah. movie. Like, I understand what you're saying, but this this movie is over the top when he's <laughs> standing in the street crying in the rain. Yeah, that was that was rough. Um. So is that, is that all you had? That's for, it. Yeah, um, there was not a lot. That's all I had. Uh. All right. I. I oh, go. Ahead. I just looked up real quick. We were talking about the Huckleberry. Even though the events of Tombstone are in 1879, Huckleberry Finn isn't actually written until 1884. But Tom Sawyer had been written, and Huckleberry Finn appears in that. Mm. (laughs) It's a stretch. It's a stretch to say it could have ever been, you know, said. But it's like there's a couple things that are a stretch. Like having uh, Doc kill Ringo is a stretch because by most accounts, Doc was in Colorado at the time. And he could have theoretically come back in and killed him. But the actual, the prevailing theory is that Johnny Ringo actually got depressed and shot himself. 
So, and you and you are right, Tush. My apologies. Tom Sawyer was written in 1876. So uh, I did have one sort of semi role reversal. Uh, at one point, John Carpenter said he pitched to make this movie. I can't even imagine what this movie would have been had John Carpenter directed it. It <laughs> had lots of guitar in it. <laughs> the music would have been um, way different. Do, do you well, remember LPJ? I can't remember if I'm mixing this up with another movie we were talking about. Was there a possible role reversal for the narrator? Yes. Yeah. Well, it was just Wasn't the. It, it's a, it was. A, 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 Robert Mitchum was supposed to play a physical role in the Robert, film. He was going to play old man Clanton. Right. But then he heard himself riding a horse and they made him narrator instead. Right. Okay. Um, all right. I think we're ready to rate this, right? Yeah. Let's rate it. I would hope so. <laughs> All right. Well, who wants to go first? Tush, you're the guest. Do you want to go first? Okay. Well, you know, like I, there, you know, it's, it's not a perfect film. I mean, there's a lot of like your know, thing inconsistencies, things like that. But it's just really fun. I think every performance is really good, and so I'm gonna go for Machine Guns. All right. Uh, what about you, LPJ? Uh, yeah, I really like this movie too. Um, and I think Val Kilmer's great in it. And I think I really realistically think everybody's good in it. There are definitely some problematic things with this film. Sometimes there's a little bit of overacting and it's very over the top in a silly way, like the scene where he's outside, you know, uh, in the rain. Um, but overall, you know, it's just a fun movie. Uh, I'll go, I'll go for machine guns also. Um, uh, Sphinx, do you want to go next, or do you want me to? I feel like you got. I feel yeah. like you're. I feel like you're sitting on a, on a loaded gun. No, I, I'm really not. I, I can go. I this this movie's okay. I it doesn't really. It, it doesn't give me a whole lot of emotion. I don't know. I just. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's good. It's just you know. It was. It was a fine watch. There are some cool scenes. or some great action scenes. I think some of the acting is good. I think some of the acting is shitty. And yes, I already mentioned the hot take. I can't. I, Val Kilmer. I don't know. He. I don't like how he portrays Doc Holliday. I just don't. I feel like he is overdoing it. Um, so I'll give it. Uh, I'll give it three and a half machine guns. <laughs> I was Can maybe I say- thinking three. Maybe I think a fair thing to do was go and watch Dennis Quaid's terrible Doc Holiday, and I'm then good. you'll be like, you know what? I appreciate Val Gilmer. From what you already told me, I don't need to do that, but uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I I love these ones, by the way, where you really think like Sphinx is going to dog this movie, and I was expecting like a two machine gun, and then he's like, no, eh, three and a half. <laughs> I, I mean, I I you all right? I'll give it a three. I don't know. I guess no, I feel I more comfortable. Oh, Joe, Joe arguing like give it less. <laughs> no, I I don't care. I'm glad. It's just funny because sometimes I expect like you're. Yeah, I'm, I expect- I'm giving it a three because that is kind of like. Kind of right down the middle. Two and a half more is, but I think maybe it deserves a little bit more than two and a half. <laughs> you don't have to change your rating on my my behalf. Um, I'm uh, done. Hey, all right. Um, okay, I will say. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I I do enjoy this movie. Um, I, I don't know. There are people that really really love this movie, and I don't know if I would go it as go as far to say it's like, oh, I I think this movie's amazing. It's one of the best westerns ever made. Like, I don't know if I would go as that far. Um, but I do think it's a, I, I do think it's a lot of fun uh, to watch. 
Um, and some of the performances are a little bit much. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. In the middle of my uh, review, Tush is holding up a autograph uh, from Val Kilmer of a picture of Doc Holliday. Uh, One of three Val Kilmer autographs I own. So, <laughs> but wow. But yeah, no, I I don't know. This is a movie I do like it, and I think it's fun. I think if you just I don't know, like I think if you try not to like boil down all the what's historically accurate and what's historically not accurate and kind of get into all that and just kind of like watch it. It's a lot of fun. And some of the stuff is great. Like I love Kurt Russell in it and like some of the iconic lines. So, uh, and I, <laughs> with the majority of people, uh, not like Sphinx really do like Val Kilmer in this. And I love his performance. Uh, I'll go three and a half though. Cause I'm not, I'm not quite sold on it being four, but I'll, I'll give it three and a half machine guns. You bring up an interesting point about like how some people like truly love this movie, and I, I don't know, I don't see it, but whatever. That's yeah, fine. I, I don't. Do I definitely zone. don't get the. I don't get the fanaticism for it, but I definitely enjoy it. It's it's a movie I would absolutely watch again. I mean, I get people being into this movie more than I get people being into Scarface, but I mean that's a yeah, different conversation. That's, a, that's another conversation altogether. Um. All right. Well, we did it, guys. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for letting us know. Good work. Good work. You guys, give yourselves a round of applause. I say we did a pretty nope. good okay, job for this episode. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what, what is this? Your accent literally changes every time you do it. Yeah, I think I, you said Rue McClanahan from the Golden Girls. All right. Anyway, this we are the last fun. action podcast. We come to you every Monday on the GameZilla Media Network and anywhere podcasts are available. Um, and go to GameZillaMedia.com. You can check out the GameZilla Media podcast, Noobs and Dragons, and, other, and our back catalog of everything else we've ever done. It's all there at your disposal. Uh, and if you go down to the bottom of the GameZilla page, you can click on our Discord button and join our Discord. And that's where earlier in this week, earlier, yeah, this week, we announced what our theme of the year is going to be. And we took some suggestions. Couldn't get that word out. We took suggestions <laughs> from our Discord community as to what movies they think we should uh, we should take a look at. Um, so we're still taking some suggestions. Hop on Discord. Let us know what you want Can us I to make uncover. one? Yeah. I think, because, I think you should do Conan the Barbarian. Because I feel like in the classic Arnold era, era, that's the one that the least people have seen a lot of times. No, I know? agree. And, and that's... That's been on the list for a while. We just haven't gotten to it yet. I think this will be would the you, year. Yeah. Would you, like and, be, would, you, would you like to be on that episode, Tish? Yes, I would. And I will explain what is best in life. Just <laughs> crush your enemy, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentation of their women. Oh, okay. I've That's never it. seen the movie, so I don't know what that is. Um, all right. Anyway, yeah. So there we are. That's us. Uh, Tush, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me again. I'd say tush-free movie. I don't know. It was. It was. There's tush and Conan. So although you know. although we we almost saw your tush when you stood up to get that picture. So I mean, I guess <laughs> it works out. It's, it's not as bad as if I did it in a work Zoom meeting the other day, and a couple people <laughs> who were paying attention saw my oh butt crack. Apologies to anyone that did. Wow. It is, my. it is it is true, and I saw it. It was it was bad. Yeah. Okay. Oh well. Well, oh my! If we were in the office, it would there would probably be an opportunity where I might bend over to get something, and they would have seen it. Then, I mean, it's not something that you know. I, 
I, it was not intentional. All right, I'm not we're good. No, we're good. Why have we not muted Tush's we're good. microphone we're good. right now? All right, guys. <laughs> wow. Okay, Tombstone, everybody, Tombstone. Uh, yeah. this, this has been what? What the hell's it go? Uh, this episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. <laughs>